The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 251. This week, we have planes, trains, and automobiles. A SoFi swear-in. Stacy is in heavy debt. Legislative privilege and the beginning of our 2023 legislative preview. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner's endeavor, writer, journalist, dog mom, and owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, Jessica Salaji. Hi, Dave. Howdy. How was your week? Oh, it was full of news. How was your week? Busy, wasn't it? It was a, it was a uh, busy tra- track, track of the news last week. Yeah, it was wild. And I know you don't get into national politics very much. No, but, we, but it was we some did, of it was hard to We did to get avoid. McCarthy right yeah. after we recorded, naturally. The McCarthy thing to do. <laughs> it's a very McCarthy thing to do. Yeah, uh, so uh, they can now move on with the business of the people or just throwing subpoenas everywhere. Who knows? And of course, we got a, a special prosecutor uh, for the president and his documents. So that will be interesting, but not not really a story we're carrying because we don't know what the documents are yet. True. True. I mean, yes, they were classified, but and yes, they were mis they obviously were mishandled. But I doubt there are any any actionable pieces of intelligence sitting in the garage by his Corvette, which he made sure to tell us he had a Corvette several times. But his week wasn't as bad as Pothole Pete. Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation. He, he had a tough uh, week. He did. Was it Wednesday that uh, all the planes were grounded? Mm-hmm. It was a... Uh, uh, here's what happened. There's a notice to air emission system. And that sends messages to, to the pilots. And it used to be called Notice to Airmen. But one of the first things that Buttigieg did when he got into office was to make that more inclusive, so say, Notice to Air Mission. That happens to be the system that failed. Dun, dun, dun. So it's, a, it's, it's something that you get, you'll get pop-up alerts that, like, Essentially, it's it's an old version of text messaging. Basically, saying, "Look, runway five uh, two is closed at, at, at <coughs> SFO," or I think that's the message system that everybody was celebrating when the masks masks came off on on commercial flights. That the message came across on on that. I'm not saying that one thing has anything to do with the other, but instead of updating the system, they decided that we're, we're going to rename it. Because it's not inclusive enough to say notice to airmen. And, and on the same day, we have a 37-hour, a 20-hour delay train from the D.C. area, Northern Virginia, to Orlando. There was a, 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 car, a freight train derailment. And of course, trains can't just jump tracks. Well, not successfully. But this antiquated system where Amtrak couldn't figure out how to route around this thing. It's not like it derailed right in front of them. They were stuck. I mean, then, you, then, you, then you just hose. This was, this was ahead on the road. I mean, I can't... Is there anything less efficient than government running anything? No. No. Even Wait. Frontier and Comcast and Windstream, they all still, in their awfulness... Rise up. Yeah, look, 17 hours from D.C. to Orlando on a train. And, and this was a, 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 what they call a car train that they, you, you hop on and you ha- have your vehicle pulled with you. So I guess it's a convenient way to sit down and, and watch the countryside go by. It was overnight. I don't know what you're watching. But just sit down and then get to Orlando and ha- have your car with you. I guess that, that's a cool enough idea. 17 hours of if everything's on time. Seems like a long time for Northern Virginia to Orlando. Like just for for giggles, I looked up Atlanta to uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It's like three or four hours longer than if I just drive. 
But how do you screw up Department of Transportation? I guess you have to try. I mean, you, you get the idea because because uh, Buttigieg is young. Uh, the best thing he did when he got into office was take two months off for paternity leave or adoption leave, whatever it is. That's about the most effective he's been. It seems like he, he was paid he was paid off for his endorsement, and that had that's just politics by giving a cabinet position. And they said, "What can Pete not f up? Let's give him transportation." You know, then- most of those agencies take care of themselves. Yeah, you, know, you, you couldn't make him Secretary of Defense. You couldn't. You couldn't make him. You know, couldn't put, make him Secretary of State. I mean, you, you can't put him in any any real responsibility because he's a he's a neophyte. So we'll, we'll give him DOT and, and pay him off for for his loyalty. And there's no way he could screw that up. Yet here we are. Here we are, living the dream under Pete. Live the dream under Pete. Uh, uh, I'll pass. So we have uh, the Georgia legislature and dereliction of duty, Jessica. Yeah, well, everyone knows that they totally make me lose my sense of humor. And I don't think anything they do is funny. I don't I don't like their jokes. I don't like their lightheartedness. Like you're elected to do a job. You're part time. It's not that hard to like not cause people to suffer or anything else and yet they continue to just like think it's not that important of a job i guess i don't know um obviously the national championship was on monday um that was the first day of the session they gaveled in in the house at 9 30 um i'm not sure if the senate gaveled in at 9 30 or 10 but you know it's they swear them all in it's very quick a lot of them went to um game which is fine um like several of them went to be sworn in and then went to the airport and left and made it there with plenty of time and it doesn't seem like there was any disruption but then there's the jackass houston Gaines, who was literally sworn in in the stadium um with a supreme court justice who was there and governor camp holding the bible for him next to his wife and Houston is from the Athens area, so he knows the Kemp's. And first of all, I think it makes me more mad. I'll just disclose because his voting record is crap. He's basically a Democrat, but likes to pretend that he has like conservative leanings, which he does not. But um, it's just ugly. Like he said, not a bad backdrop for a swearing in. Thank you to Governor Brian Kemp, First Lady and Supreme Court Justice John Ellington for the honors. I'm ready to officially begin my third term in the House. Um. I remember in 2021, Trey Kelly, friend of the show, um, he <laughs> had COVID when they were sworn in and he had to do it from the parking lot. I feel like that's the farthest you should be able to be sworn in. Like if you're not there to be sworn in, you can't, you're not sworn in. Like it's mandatory. I don't understand. This job is mandatory. Like you want, you asked for it. Yeah, I I don't know if, if locale really makes a difference legally or if he was sworn in again when he got back. I know for reenlistment ceremonies and stuff, we've we've sworn people in on mountainsides and airplanes and, and things like that. Well, that's, that's an a honorable job. Though. Well, it's a, I don't know about that, uh, uh, but it's uh, but that that that's federal. And it's a different thing. You can you can you know reenlist while you're deployed. Um, I would agree with you that that's not a great look. Don't tell anybody. You know, it's just the legality of it. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I saw the picture. I didn't care about it. Um, I, I know reps that did exactly what you said. They swore in the morning. They caught a noon flight. They were at, they were in L.A. by one or two local time, hop in a cab, get to the stadium, watch the game, come back on the red eye. Well, and they didn't come, they didn't meet on Tuesday and then Wednesday they didn't convene till 11. So they had plenty of time to get back. I mean, that's not an issue. I just, I just think it's so like, it's like they want to like rub it in people's faces. Like, Hey, 
I do things the way that I want and I don't care what you think about it. That's the message it sends. I don't think that sends the message to his constituents. I mean, especially being from Athens area. Like, look, I'm here at the game supporting supporting our Bulldogs. I mean, that, It wasn't look, even a game. I hope they all feel like they didn't even get their money. I hope they feel like they got ripped off. Well, the whole nation got ripped off when Michigan didn't beat TCU. Um, I know you care so much about, about the foosball. Mm-hmm. But, he, he's I mean, he's a loser. I, I don't know if they felt that it was waste because it was a party. Because, uh, you know, after the yeah. first quarter, it was just, it, it was it was 45 minutes of playing time of, of a party. So much so that, Bennett, the the starting quarterback, was yanked from. The, I mean, was given opportunity to go out and uh, uh, get a standing ovation, which is nice for a senior. It's his last game. Um, to and hand it over to to who's going to be uh, taking the reins next year. I mean, it was it was a cool game. This is not a sports podcast, but yeah, it's. <sighs> if you are going to act like you want the job, you should act like you want the job. Like this isn't like a regular job where you you have to have it to like survive and you're just doing it to get by or what like this is a job you asked for. Not yet. Well, they just <laughs> there's no reason for there to be it's just no there's no reason. Even if it was done uh done in the in the and in the parking lot or done before leaving or done, done whatever the uh, you're right. The optics the optics aren't great. Doesn't hurt the governor at all. I mean, he didn't miss his inauguration. No, and I mean, yeah, whatever. I don't. That would have been hilarious. Have the, the inaugural ball here and and have Kemp come in via Zoom from SoFi Stadium. Yeah, because he missed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know. I just. It's just, it's an ugly look, that's all. Yeah, then then we have uh, Josh McLaurin tweeted, Georgia Senate just failed to adopt its own rules on a majority vote because some Republicans are absent. Most to reconsider now happening. That's what happens when Democrats pick up seats. So on Monday, obviously, um, some of them were not present in the Senate. Um, Republican-wise, Bill Kowser, Frank Ginn, Rick Williams, they were not present. And then John Kennedy, who is president of the Senate, did not vote on the, the rules, the resolution to adopt the rules of how they operate. And so they didn't have enough votes because, one, Generally, the, the the opposing party or the minority party does not like the rules because they favor the majority party, of course. And then also, <clears throat> um, I think they knew that they didn't have enough votes. And how stupid does it make them look? Because your senators were at a freaking frat party because they can't all let go of their college years and just be adults. And so they didn't they they literally could not adopt the rules. They had a motion to reconsider and they still didn't have the votes because the Democrats wouldn't come across the aisle for them. And and understandably, because we're going to talk about it in a little while, but some of the rules are absolute garbage. So I I mean, I wouldn't expect Democrats to just be like, okay, fine. In the interest of business, we'll do it. No, they're crappy rules. But so they do all this and then they have to table the rules until Wednesday when Everybody came back to work and they were able to get them, you know, it's just, it's pathetic. Yeah, look, if if you have a, a, a real job and you want to take that Monday off and they say, look, uh, no, your options are either don't go to the game or quit your job. And I know a lot of this is tied up in probably gifts. Like going to the game is was so expensive. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you didn't know for sure that Georgia was going. And some fans did gamble, go ahead and buy airline tickets ahead of time and all that. But nonstop ATL to LAX. Then, then a hotel near where uh, a major event is going on. Could not have been cheap. And tickets were thousands of dollars a piece. So it, it was a... Uh, I understand you're buying an experience. No, you're buying a Facebook photo to tell everybody you did it. Uh, I've been to SEC, SEC championship games and all that stuff. It's it's a cool experience. But, you know, I, w- I went to the SEC championship game for a few hundred dollars. Not... Uh, not you know, 10 grand or whatever it is, it would end up being for two tickets, two airline tickets, even flying coach, which sounds appalling to me to fly four and a half hours coach. Um, (laughs) God, I don't even comfort plus. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, there's guys do, do crazy stuff to go to games. I mean, uh, I know know a group of guys who drove down for the Florida Georgia game that morning for a three thirty kickoff, then uh, went to watch the game and left uh, after the end of the game and drove back to Atlanta. And the game's in Jacksonville. Yeah. And you know, guys do crazy stuff for, for that. For that, but I, I did like the little jab that uh, Ken Poland got in. Yeah. Replying to the tweet, "You didn't go to the game." <laughs> well, because it's it's just. You know, like you make not you, but like these people make the argument that they need to be full time because they don't have enough time to get stuff done. And, you know, it's a full time job. They give so much. They give their all. Really? I'm having a hard time finding finding it. Where is it? Where's your all? Well, not everybody has as much all as everybody else. Yeah. Um, everybody complains about their job. And if uh, uh, it, it makes it sound a lot more like it's a service and uh, sacrifice when you, when, you, when you piss and moan about it, going, oh, I, but I'd, 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 I'd do it for my constituents. No, the, the, the fringe benefits are pretty cool. Whatever. Yeah, but, we, you know, we, uh, we want to go ahead and make this like Congress, pay every one of us $185,000 a year, and uh, still work 40 legislative days, just have it cover 12 months. You know, the biggest problem with that is you lose anybody who's not wealthy enough to, uh, to take that job. Or unprincipled enough. Or unprincipled enough, because even even at a buck eighty five a year, you know, I don't I don't know that's how much they were actually going to do, but even even with that, your hitch is only two years. I guess. You gonna, I mean, you you're gonna give up uh, give up future earnings for for two years of of, of making you know hundred thousand plus? No. Lord no. That's probably just me being a snob. But I guess it finally did pass Wednesday. It did. Um, and it was always going to. Yeah, Rick Williams, who just came from the house, and he's down in Glynn County. He's absolutely terrible. Um, he'll be even worse over in the Senate. But um, BFF to Jackie Johnson, former district attorney, who is now disgraced and facing criminal charges herself. Um, that's that's her friend. But Rick Williams is, um, he was not there. And then for the, when they actually did pass it, and then, um, what's it called? Um, who was it? Um, Senator John Kennedy, again, who's the Senate pro tem. Like, what are you doing, dude? Again, you want to be there. And we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but I feel like it's relevant to go ahead and talk about the rules. Um instead of interjecting the mule of the week in between. But basically, they again are talking about legislative privilege. And it's such a hilarious concept because 
they call themselves citizen legislators, but they're not subject to the George Open Records Act. You know, they have they they have pushed back in court on so many things, talking about like what it means to be their legislative business and when that is subject to public disclosure. And during all the Trump grand jury investigation stuff, there were arguments about whether or not they would um, be forced to or compelled to testify. And a judge said, yes, you know, you have broad immunity. But, like, if you had conversations about your legislative business with people outside the legislature, that's not protected. And that was the argument that a lot of them were trying to make. So, in these rules that they passed that they couldn't pass on Wednesday because of, or on Monday because of their absences, um, they decided to um, basically it, not like these rules will shield communication with people outside the legislature too, to include like the media. Um, it would it, it would like protect them as sources and whistleblowers. They wouldn't have to disclose that they were the ones that said that. Um, if they talk to you or I or their their spouse is not really a good example, but um, just friends or you know colleagues or constituents like they don't have that that would be protective communications under these rules that they are trying to assert are like more intact and and hold more weight than a subpoena or a state statute which is interesting because they write the state statutes it does not have more weight than state statute well they're trying to claim it does but i hear you I mean, it's <clears throat> the state statute does doesn't doesn't outweigh the state constitution. Correct. So they can pass whatever whatever the rule they want on that. It, it it's it's irrelevant because it'll come down to what what judges ultimately think, and what it, it does, certainly does invite, which we love to do, invite legisl- uh, uh, litigation. Well, and I understand the 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 legislative uh, uh, powers and and uh, privilege that go along with the sausage grinding that goes into making a bill as it's happening. As it's happening, yes, the sausage grinding that goes into the bill. Um, but after that, I mean, they it, they act like they have national secrets, right? Well, it, it it depends if they're if they're holding an investigation, if they're if they've got a subcommittee and they're doing some sort of investigation, uh, and they want to protect their sources. But really, that's that's under the heading of the executive branch to handle those investigations. And having a, a part-time legislature, and I'm not stumping for full-time, obviously. You don't have time to run endless investigations like they do in Congress. Well, and what's hilarious is that, you know, like you're talking about executive agencies or executive branch conducting um, investigations and and any type of like being the check, like the entire premise of our government is the three separate but equal branches that are checks on each other. Well, the whole reason that they claim that they're not subject to things like the Open Records Act, which is governed by state law, but starts in the attorney general's office, is because they say that it would be improper for the executive to impose that power or, you know, that that ruling on the legislature, which, again, I understand, like, I, if they wanted to say that, like, this year's legislate. I, I mean, I'm not saying I say this is a blanket, but I'm speaking broadly because I I'm not I'm not all in on this. But if they wanted to like have a the make the argument that they you couldn't access stuff from the 2023 session until you know information pertaining to that or until the legislative session had concluded for that calendar year, I would understand because. Like, it, and also it would be an absolute chaos. As much as I think that their information should be as public as possible, I understand it would make for chaos if in the middle of a session they're all trying to, like, 
provide emails and and everything while also I, like I get it. But everywhere we turn, they're constantly saying, "Well, that doesn't apply to us. That doesn't apply to us." And and I don't it absolutely does if you're doing it right. And second, what are you so afraid of? That's what I'm curious about. I mean, there is state about legislative with the, stuff. Uh, yeah, it, but this comes about with investigation <clears throat> on Trump and his uh, alleged interference. Mm-hmm. This all comes down to, to Fannie Willis and her witch hunt. Right. So I, it is it is curious to me as to what was said and uh why they think it's privileged and then why they're trying to hide it. I just, what could you possibly be so protective about? Right. I mean, is there, I don't, I, I can't, I can't imagine that Trump, maybe, 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 maybe somebody from the Trump administration contacted uh, some of the House members about not um, not validating the vote. Okay. About uh, alternate electors and and things like that. That's that's the only thing I could think is is they're trying to protect themselves from that. Wow. That's <sighs> that's the only thing I could think. Yeah. Because this is awfully specific at a very specific time. Because the the grand jury is seated right now, aren't they? In Fulton? Yes. They just dissolved it. Did they just dissolve it? I think on on Monday or Tuesday they dissolved it. um, And we are kind of like in this weird spot where we're going to I guess a judge has to rule whether or not we can see those documents. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Um, yeah, we're going to find out if, if we're worthy. And if she gets an indictment. Right. Now, the fact that they have been so tight-lipped about it kind of makes me think that I mean, well, one, I'm I'm proud that the people on the grand jury no matter where they stand, have taken it seriously and understand that they're not supposed to talk about it. There haven't been any leaks about it. Um, but I don't know. I don't well, know. no no leaks is best. Yeah. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work own or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other stories and, and other relevant stories and episodes over the georgiavirtue.com. I knew I was going to mess it up. That's all knew fine. that was coming. All right, you mule of the week. Stacy Abrams, man. What on earth has happened? So, she's okay. In t- she's in a ton of trouble. When she ran for governor the first time, she took a lot of heat for owing taxes and she took the the violin route and saying, "Oh, I was trying to pay for my family and I, you know, I worked so hard and blah 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 blah." Um, and I just got behind on taxes and then of course, like when she rose to fame really quickly and um, started fair fight and everything else and had her book deals and sudden she was able to pay the money off, which I'm glad like nobody wants to be under the gun from the dang IRS. So, you know, props, but okay. So, so she has her taxes. She, her 2018 platform was all about spending. And then her 2022 platform was all about spending and we find out recently in the disclosures that she raised $113 million in her campaign and through her leadership committee. And she spent it all and she ended $1.4 million in, in debt to different vendors. 
and I'm just wondering what in the fresh hell. One point two million. No. Oh, to vendors. No, one point four. One point four. One point two million <clears throat> of that is what her media firm um oh like what one Georgia, which is the PAC thing committee, owes to her media firm, AL Media. Now, you could be you could say to yourself, okay, but did she really spend that money and did they upcharge and blah blah blah, all of that. Oh, you know, we'll never know. There's always that like um cookie under the cup thing where they are like that's how all campaign campaigning works it's almost never on the up and up it's always with friends and blah 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 we i mean whatever but the re what what is whether she owes herself or a friend or whomever like 113 million dollars and she couldn't even end at zero That is somebody and, who is wholly unfit to be in an executive position. <clears throat> Wait, she told me she did the math. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember the commercial where she uh, she did her homework and she sat down because she's an expert and uh, uh, balanced budgets and things like that. Uh, working with uh, working with Governor Deal or wh- whoever it was. Okay, well, you don't remember she those commercials, count. but how smart she is with money. She can't count. <clears throat> It's that's I mean that is it's unacceptable. Yeah, you know, I have to say dollars are bullets in a in a political campaign. But she had all the ammo she needed and still got her ass handed to her. She's a bad candidate. And I I, I would assume a fine-tooth comb being taken to her financial disclosures and all the documents would show that there was a lot of money funneled into businesses that she and her 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 friends and family own. Like that 113 million or whatever it is was not spent wisely with the with the most affordable vendors and and things like that. Now she did get a lot of TV time. But whoever was in charge of of her 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 media her social media stuff, her uh, uh, her commercials, they owe her a refund because it was awful. Well, it I just a hundred and thirteen million dollars. Like how 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 is I? I don't understand. How do, how do you fall that far short when Hollywood has you on a episode of one of the Star Trek things? Uh, <clears throat> they're putting you out constantly. You're in front of all the all the uh, stay-at-home moms on the View and everything else, and <clears throat> all the free media she got, and still blew well over a hundred million dollars, and is over a million in debt. Yeah, I don't know. It's embarrassing. And, and, but where does that money come from? If a campaign's in debt like that. And Kemp raised $90 million between his campaign and the leadership committee. And he ended his race with $5.2 million in the bank. Um, and of course, like, they moved money back and forth, both of them, between their campaign funds and the committee funds. And again, like I said, it's all, a sh- that's a shell game. But if you know that you have $113 million, basically, to spend in a different, like, I don't understand how that, like, if you were off by, like, $10,000, I could be her, like, okay, you know, it got down to the wire, you got a little excited. I, I wouldn't think it was very good, but at least, I don't know. I think her donations dried up in the last two weeks. And they, they for a period of time, they probably continued their their arc of spending with the anticipation that they would raise more money coming in the last two weeks. And I think the the big donors realized they were throwing good money after bad and pulled back. Because I, I, th- I think uh, we had a story the, the last couple weeks of the campaign, she wasn't collecting money. She wasn't doing it. No, money. and they had, I mean, they had to cut stuff. 
I love, I still love the quote from her campaign manager, Lauren Wargo. We did not just lose. We got blown out. It was just the most suboptimal situation to be in. And we will be dealing with that situation for some time. Which means me as a political operative, I'm in trouble. Yeah, good thing she still has her fair fight and fair count, which is alarming that she thinks she's an organization about counting. (laughs) Well, like I said, after all the media campaigns she ran about, I did my homework and I did the math. Well, there's there, there had to be funny business going on, but I, I, but there is like you said, there is at that level in a lot of campaigns. But it feels to me like they were on a, a spending trajectory and anticipated bringing more money in the in the last couple of weeks, and and got themselves uh, got themselves upside down. It's not an excuse. I'm just saying it's, it feels like that's probably uh, a pretty good indication of, of somebody who's well ran dry, dry before they before they anticipated it. Because mm-hmm. they, they they just thought they could go back to the donors, go back. So <clears throat> anyway, yeah. at least we don't have to hear from her for another couple of years until I guess another three years until the Senate race, which I'm sure she'll want to square off with Kemp again. No. <clears throat> so we have proposed initiatives thus far. Kemp seeks to deliver another one billion in income tax refunds and one billion property tax rebate. Yeah, you know, we've got like a, what is it, $6.6 billion surplus right now, which, I mean, it's why we were able to suspend the gas tax um, when when they, for so long, for what, 10 months? Like, I, I think that's an optimal way to, I, I think people should get refunds and rebates, even though I don't think you should be taking it from them in the first place, but... It, I mean, that's the optimal way to spend money is to give it back to people, right? But there's a, particularly with the property tax rebate, like, don't you think that's going to cause problems with local governments? Depends on how they do it. Everything, well, all this depends on how they do it. Of if they're course, doing true but- income tax refunds, yes, that, that's, that's great. If they're doing a handout that everybody's going to get a refund, even if you didn't pay, that's not a refund. That's a handout. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> it, it, all of it depends on the execution. I am appreciative of the fact that he didn't win re-election and immediately go, okay, let's well, all right, let's tighten everything up and, and roll for the next three years until I'm uh, until I want to run for something else. Mm-hmm. That he's he's continuing continuing this arc of of giving people back what they paid in. Now. Would this be better served as a uh, income tax going forward, income tax cut going forward, or dare I say elimination? Yeah, Probably. I, don't... I mean, I think with what's coming with the economy, I mean, they can't, they can't, they're, they're just not going to do that right now. Um, they know. I mean, if you don't know what's coming, you're an idiot. But um, I just, I don't know why. Here's here's the the political perception. Getting a $400 check makes the average uh, person happy. Getting $40 uh, uh, more uh, a month of your paycheck, people don't register. It just doesn't register to them. So it's the 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 whole thing with as as we're coming into income tax season, uh, people running running around like uh, uh, five year olds at the dollar store, looking for something to spend spend their money on because they got this check from the government. <clears throat> so I I would like to see the the elimination of the of the uh, of income tax going forward and move to a consumption tax. Because that brings everybody into the fold. Everybody sure. pays uh, consumption tax, and it would also make us uh, more competitive with our state neighbors. Oh, absolutely! I mean, and we have we have a lot of people who uh, hit us in the crossroads. Either stop at ATL uh, connecting a flight because anywhere in the southeast, if you're going to uh, fly Delta, a lot of times your hub is Atlanta. 
So all those people that that, that get off the airplane and, and go and and buy something, if if we're straight consumption tax, we'd get a piece of all of that. Mm-hmm. Every person who stops at Bucky's for uh, for some uh, some beaver nuggets or uh, or beef jerky, uh, we we would get a bigger piece a bigger piece of that. Every person making all their money on OnlyFans that isn't isn't uh, putting it uh, isn't claiming it. Guess what? They have to spend that money somewhere, and and that money gets taxed. <clears throat> but yeah, we're not going to see them see them doing that, especially as as we come into a, a probable recession and uh, spending will go down <clears throat> significantly. He, but again, so are salaries. Yeah. Um, he did. I mean, he, I just don't understand why he wants to be this person. But Kemp is already talking about more raises for teachers. I don't know. Was was Marty a teacher? I don't. I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> look. We we all agree. Teaching's teaching. Can suck, but the biggest thing that's made teaching suck is not the pay. It's the it's the no child left behind and the and the government interference in the classroom between the government getting between a teacher and a student, mm-hmm. and say so we know you want to teach, but we uh, you need to teach this test so that we can keep our federal funds coming in. That's why teaching sucks. That's why teachers are leaving the profession. They knew damn well when they spent that money to go to go to college and get a degree in early education or any sort of degree in education that, that you were not, this was not a good investment. You know, you could have spent the same, the same money getting, getting a different master's degree and walk out of there making, making a lot more money than, than a school teacher. You do it because you love, that's what love doing what you do. But you know, that's, When I hear, I told you I was in a meeting one day, and somebody, uh, we were meeting at the Capitol. So I popped up and said, we need to do something about teacher salaries. And my property taxes are too high. And about four of us turned and looked. What the hell? You can't have both. But anyway, the bill's in the House. Sandra Scott, HB4. She's always, you know, she's always our... I'd love her. She's, she always comes up with some real doozies. She wants to create an electronic inpatient psychiatric bed registry so that, um, obviously not like public, but, um, be better if it was public. Because then you know what, what information government's holding on you. She wants an electronic inpatient uh, bed registry, uh, uh, psychiatric. Every time stuff like this comes up, I go back to the to red flag laws and how damaging that is to people who who need to seek mental health and need need, need to seek help because mm-hmm. they're who worried wants to be on a registry. Right. Exactly. And. And you go in and you and you talk to you talk to your to your counselor, therapist, or a psychiatrist, and uh, the whole idea behind therapy is honesty. Well, if you, if you, I mean, you're going to hold back a bunch if you're worried about if you're worried about coming up on a list or uh, uh, having having your your rights taken from you. <clears throat> I'll enough red red flag laws say you're too crazy to own a gun, but you can still go to the ballot box. Thankfully, we don't have them here. All right. Billy Mitchell, HB 13. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this one's not terrible. I just don't really understand. But um, he wants to have licenses in Georgia updated to have a spot to for people to opt in to put their blood type on their driver's license like you do for whether or not you're an organ donor. I mean, I, I don't just, see a, I, I don't see a big problem with it if it's voluntary, but how many people? I mean, I obviously know my blood type, but is the government going to be blood typing people? 
Are you going to take their word for it? The only thing that I could think of was, um, like, if you got in a car wreck and you needed blood right away. But don't they give you O negative if they don't know? Yeah. So, I mean, Um, like, I didn't really... Yes, you have have universal donors. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, no, the advantage of it is is fine. Obviously, that's why it's... It's on ID tags and on military IDs. <clears throat> that uh, and, and a lot of guys, you know, modern stuff. They have their blood type on, on their gear, uh, so and, and you know you don't have to get to treatment and get get typed and cross matched. Um, I don't have I don't have a problem with the information being available. I, I just don't know what mechanism they're going to use to to assure that someone doesn't say they are. Uh, a negative when is it they're actually a b negative and it end up end up uh, uh, with a, a transfusion reaction and who they're going to blame when that the information is incorrect in the license but in in principle I don't, I don't have a problem with it it just it, it once again and execution will be everything sure no i mean it's not right. it's not inherently bad i just it's an interesting thing to be number 13 like he was like yeah let's 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 do this <laughs> And you know it, that may get folded in with another bill. I, I, like I said, I, I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a bad idea. I just. I just don't. I. I, I don't know the mechanisms that they're going to put in place to make sure people are properly uh, uh, labeled with their with their blood type. Because some. I mean, hell, you go get your license at sixteen. You may not even be aware you have a blood type. Mm-mm. Or you assume it matches your parents and find out that your parents aren't your parents. Remember, your daddy's only your daddy because your mama says so. Oh, Lord. All right. Alan Powell, HB 17. Ballot boxes. They want to require when they when the person at the polls takes the ballots out of those drop boxes that are outside of the polls, they want them to put them in a box and then secure the box, seal it, and for to establish a chain of custody that has, like, a signature, a number, um, all that jazz. And and then, of course, like after they're scanned, they want them to put it into a new box that would be tamper-proof, would also have seals, dates, and signatures. And, um, yeah, I <laughs> seems like a simple way to deal with the situation is to get rid of the ballot drop boxes. But I guess that's not an option anymore. Guess we're not even going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of the ballot boxes. <clears throat> Either mail them in properly, or I walk we, them we in do. the door. Well, you we can- we do need better control over. Uh, I think drop boxes are getting are getting the the most of the blame for things that are also institutionally incorrect within the Secretary of State's Office of Elections and Boards of Elections, which is control over the memory cards and things like that. Mm. Uh, That stuff needs to be signed for, labeled, and, you know, you should know where at any given time, an election supervisor should walk into the precinct and go, all right, Disc, uh, uh, I know it's a thumb drive. Drive five was signed out by John Smith. John Smith, let me let me see drive five. And, okay, and but it should be that they simple. Couldn't even do that in 2020. I mean, we know this now. Like, we learned that our Secretary of State's office couldn't main. They couldn't even track the memory cards and all of that. So, what makes them think that this will be? a thing. I don't know. It's the desire to do something. I, look, I don't <clears throat> keeping, keeping all that stuff under dual control is, is a great idea. No one poll worker should be able to go out and gather ballots. Mm-hmm. There should, there should be two of them. They, they, if, if, if we're going to live with these boxes, should be two of them and two of them verify how many, how many ballots are going and whatever it is, it's going into this sealed box I sign, you sign. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Yeah, everything should be under dual control. Nobody should be handling ballots by themselves. Every piece of technology that's signed out should should be should be signed out under dual control. Where you have a witness saying, "Are you saying yes? I'm taking it." And me saying, "As as the person in charge of that, yes, I gave it to you." And both of us have our signature on there. So again, those those thumb drives, where are they? Well, I know this person signed them out. So that sort of stuff I, operationally should be controlled by Secretary of State. But I don't. I don't think that. I don't. I, again, the the idea on seventeen is not bad. No, but I just don't understand how that's going to. Um, what it's gonna what it's gonna functionally do? I don't know. I don't know. That's 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 above my pay grade. There. Uh, would it make it harder to cheat? Maybe. Maybe until they figure out a like. I mean, I'm not saying I like. I'm not saying we shouldn't have anything just because they're gonna keep figuring out ways to get around it. But it's just like people who want to be unethical or people who want to take beyond a campaign donation. Then they're supposed like if people want to be unethical, they're going to be unethical. Yeah, absolutely. And look, if uh, uh, if you're if you're a Democrat working in a heavy Republican area with a drop box, the chances are if you if you make a handful of ballots disappear, the majority of them are going to be Republican. I, I think I think you have a good idea with getting rid of the drop boxes or putting them inside offices where it's not open 24 hours a day. You need to go to the election office or, or go to the sheriff's office and walk in and drop your ballot. I was going to say, you know, where you're being observed and someone's going to notice if you're dumping 30 ballots in. Sorry, Jessica. No, I mean, if, if, if they're not, if they're not secure, oh, you know damn well that if, if it came to saying you got to go to a sheriff's office, they'd be like, oh, the intimidation. I mean, no, the sheriff's office, usually the lobby's open 24 hours a day. I know. I'm just saying, like, they would say that you shouldn't have to go be in front of... Uh, I, I, I know that they would say that. It's, 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 I know that that's what they would be screaming. That's voter intimidation. Well, then go between 9 and 5 to the election office or go to... Uh, fire departments usually don't just have people sitting around mm-hmm. at most stations, but go to the library. But somewhere that so, somebody's going to see you, the chances are if, if you're if you're dumping a, a, a Kroger bag full of ballots, that someone's going to notice it. Instead of just sitting out, uh, you know, sitting out on the street or not on the street, but in front of in front of a bill, government building, you can pull up at two o'clock in the morning and dump all you want it there. So we have, I, I assume, Joni's brother Billy Mitchell. HR eight. Obviously, it's a resolution in the House, and it's just to encourage the Biden administration to um, make the twenty eighth amendment of the U.S. Constitution the Equal Rights Amendment. I guess because people aren't equal. I, I don't. I don't know. I I I don't know. Seems like a, a, a waste of, I mean, you, you can drop whatever the hell you want to drop. Sure. And the Biden administration is going to do whatever the hell they want to do. Uh, but you sure do sound like you care a lot more about people when you do, when you put something like this out. Yeah. I mean, so, so, so many things are, some of these bills are, are dropped for campaign purposes. So, so they can go ahead uh, and say, "Look, these are these are the things that I dropped. I'm fighting for you." Or Alan Powell could say, "I'm out. I'm out fighting for election integrity." Or Billy uh, Billy Mitchell again saying that he he was busy, wasn't he? Saying that uh, I you know I I really want I I, I want to decrease auto, automobile deaths. I mean, it's none of it is is all that concerning right now. 
It won't be until it goes in the sausage grinder and see what comes out. Sure. So, Jessica, as we wind down, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, well, we kind of talked about how it was before the show. We talked about how it was like one of the issues that resolved itself in the sense of Biden back down. But I just want to talk about like the utter stupidity of the concept of um, possibly banning gas stoves. Like it's it's one of those things that was so asinine that I was certain it had to be something that they threw out there just to distract us from all the other BS that's going on. Like that would be the only logical explanation. Yeah. And look, the, the problems they're talking about are not with gas stoves. Problems they're talking about is with ventilation. Uh, anybody who has a, a standard house, obviously nicer houses have a much better ventilation, but you know, your standard house where you have a, a one piece uh, cooktop and oven and you have a microwave above it and you have a fan that that sucks the fumes. But if you put your hand on top of the microwave or in the front of the microwave, you feel, feel all the air coming out. <coughs> it's not ventilating. It, it runs through a charcoal filter. It keeps it keeps oil from splashing all over the place and, 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 and then the vapor collects it in that filter, but it's not it's not changing the, the gas. Um, <clears throat> nicer cooktops have a, a vent that actually runs outside similar to the vent in, in, in your bathroom that uh, the fan in your bathroom that, that blows outside ha- has a flapper that keeps critters out of it and blows outside. But yeah, this is a, a like you and I were talking about an attempt to put everybody on the electrical grid. Yeah, you can't be self-sustainable in any way. I mean... With a with a lighter, you can get a, a gas range to to light with no electricity. At least, at least the one I still have. I'm sure they're going to change that. Put computers right. in there and say, well, there's no there's Fire no computer, proof. no gas, or yeah, no power, no gas. Right. But you can also run a, a gas stove, even even if you you know on a basic generator. You you could run your refrigerator, your you know Wi-Fi. Obviously, don't want to live without without uh, without Facebook. Charge your phones and uh, uh, and and light your light your range with a regular camp generator versus a, a all electric. We, we, we talked about before about the the upgrade to the power grid. You'd have to put a, like a generac or something like that to run the whole house in order just to you know cook some macaroni and cheese. Speaking of cooking, the inflation story of the week: eggs. I'm tired of hearing about eggs. They're up 60%, and that's a huge number. But you can tell which news outlet you're consuming based on whether they say it's 60% or $3 a carton. Because $3 a carton doesn't sound that bad. No. But when you say 60%, and look, eggs go into a lot of stuff. A lot of things that that we consume. Restaurants obviously go through a lot of eggs. Uh, so sixty percent on that kind of stuff, and and is is all important. But I'm just tired of it. all I've heard for a week is eggs. And instead of addressing the overall problem with inflation and saying those those food prices and, and consumables don't go into the CPI, don't go into the inflation number. So anyway, all sorts of happy happy endings this week. So for Eric Cumby, our editor, for Jessica Salaji. My partners in the endeavor. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Catch me howling at the moon